Okay, so what's the best way to start this? I always have a lot of trouble remembering the name of the Mexican president right now. Chelsea, do you have any idea who it is? Yeah, it's the one that you always say you have a lot of troubles remembering his name right now. I say that about a lot of people, though. But that's all I know of his name. I can't. Okay. It doesn't stick after that. <laughs> okay, his name is... I just uh, know you can't remember it that well. Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador. Right, that's I it. believe I said it that way. More commonly known in the English world as AMLO. Because AMLO. AMLO. Because that's that has all a the ring initials. to it. Yeah, it's way better. Okay, let's see if I remember it next time. So okay. this article comes from Jacobin. They do a lot of interesting articles on things in this area. Specifically, this article is called AMLO is Nationalizing Mexico's Lithium Supply by Kurt Hackbarth. So there is what they consider in Mexico a creeping Spanification of an energy sector, which is a privatization. AMLO is trying to counter that by sending a package of constitutional reforms to Congress, which were sent on October 1st of this year, 2021. And if these changes are adopted, it would amend Articles 25, 27, and 28 of the Constitution in order to consolidate the role of the Public Federal Energy Commission. This would mean its conversion into an autonomous legal entity, abolishing the subsidiaries and commissions that have kept its conveniently hamstrung and reserving for it the production of at least 54% of the nation's energy supply. The biggest part of this announcement that surprised everyone is a stipulation that lithium and all other minerals deemed strategic for the nation's energy transition will come under the control of the state, which is to possess the exclusive rights to exploration and mining. In so doing, the president elevated the ongoing scuffle between the public and private energy sectors to the level of a historic battle. And a lot of people were very surprised by this kind of push for a nationalization of resources. They were expecting something along the lines of just further regulation and or a private public partnership. Now, what I didn't know when reading this is that Mexico actually has the largest lithium stores in the world. I was just thinking, like, who has lithium? We don't have lithium, I don't think. The biggest exploited area for lithium right now is Bolivia. It is found most places. It's just resource intense to mine. Okay. This is a big idea in Mexico just because it does echo along the lines of previous presidents and something called the Gesta. I believe that's how you say it. It might be Gesta. I don't know because I don't speak Spanish. I apologize for my anglicization of these things. Anyhow, he echoed the words of the (laughs) president of the 1960s, Adolfo (laughs) Lopez Matillo, who upon nationalizing the electrical industry in the 60s warned that only a traitor hands over his country to foreigners. AMLO warned that failure to approve his measures would be tantamount to treason against the nation. So is this good or bad? And also, I I just want to put a PS, you don't come to this podcast for the pronunciation of things. (laughs) Or you exclusively come for the pronunciation. Yeah. Because it's fun. (laughs) It is. Okay, so this is good or bad? I think it's good. It's up to interpretation, specifically the idea of whether or not nationalizing things in your mind is a good or a bad thing. Yeah. There is a bit more like the history of it with Mexico. They were pushing it as something called the new gesta or gesta, which is basically looking back at times that things were nationalized within the energy sectors. In 1938, they nationalized much of the oil and gas industry in Mexico. And in the 50s, they nationalized the electrical industry, which was huge as well. So basically all of their electricity is nationalized was and then like all countries around the world saw a move of reaganomics in the 80s to a privatization of a lot of it Mm, okay i get it yeah this is a move back towards a more mexico-centered energy sector specifically with a national attachment okay well i guess we'll just watch and see how it turns out yeah. i guess is what we're i'm very saying. curious and i find very interesting is how the right side of the political spectrum in mexico is going to fall amlo is on the left side of the spectrum and a lot of these parties that are in the conservative side in mexico put forth a mexico first policy or at least they keep that view out there Mm -hmm. however this is going to be kind of a split on whether or not they agree to nationalize industry or avoid it because they'd rather see privatization this is interesting and the other thing i want to ask is what's their energy in mexico what's their biggest export of energy and why export energy would be oil 
at this point. Why lithium? Lithium is necessary to make batteries. Okay. Why is it the focus on this? Just because that's the draw of things? Because lithium mining is on the rise in the world due to the use of batteries right now. Okay. So like with things like electric cars. Electric cars, wall batteries, where basically you could attach a solar panel or a wind farm Mm -hmm. to it so that you do not only have energy when your energy source is plentiful. And just while we're at it, I hear that... well, these things are all better for the earth. It's Is it the lithium that's not good? That's very hard to dispose of? They're pretty much all energies have a give and take that okay. we would have to talk about. I don't think lithium is that bad. It's mining is pretty horrible. Maybe it's that. And I think the actual battery itself is very bad for the environment. But that's maybe something else. Yeah. And the last part that I found that should at least be added at this point is although they are nationalizing the lithium or at least proposing to nationalize it and all future production of the minerals to be reserved for the state, any existing concessions will be respected if a licensee can prove that they are actually in use rather than, as it is more often the case, being sat on for the purposes of speculation. So they have a lot of licenses out there for the prospecting and mining of lithium, but nobody's actually using it. They're waiting to see if it's actually worth the dollars. Yeah, because it takes a lot of resources to mine. Is that why? Well, and as there's more of a desire to mine lithium, those licenses become worth more. So there are literally businesses out there that would go get a license from the government and just sit on it and then sell it to somebody else. Mm -hmm. They actually have no intentions of using it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess that's going to be an opener with an update. There might be another update in the future on that one. I don't know for sure, but we'll see how that goes. I guess we can make a note. Also, I like how his his initials roll off the tongue like Elemeno. Okay. (laughs) A-M-L-O. Elemeno is how it comes off. Like nice like that to say. It's the best. Okay, I'm going to ask you probably next episode to see how it's said. (laughs) I'm probably going to say Elemeno. Elemeno. (laughs) That's the best part of the alphabet to say. We can definitely have a talk about that at a future date too. And also the ups and downs of each different energy source we could possibly use in the future. That would probably be a good fringe episode. That would be a good episode. But for now, we have bigger and better, more mundane things to focus on. Yeah. Chelsea, if you would, introduce some music for us. Music. Did that do it? I think so. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on our journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe. If you are experiencing time atypically, goodbye and thank you for listening. (laughs) I feel like that's a market that nobody's taking advantage of, so we need to take advantage of it. I am one of your two hosts today, Taylor. Oh, I'm Chelsea. I'm the second one. The other one. Yes, there usually (laughs) are just two of us. Today we have a fun, possibly short episode. We'll see how it goes. Chelsea will take over the first half. I will take over the second half and we're going to have some fun with it. Yeah. I guess I'll just start by saying what we're talking about, which is the Mandela effect. I don't know if you've heard about it, but I'm going to give you an overview of what's going on and then we're going to get some examples. Hopefully some good ones. We'll see. (laughs) The most fitting definition of the Mandela effect that I could find is having clear memories that don't match with the current reality and history or events that never happened. Perhaps you may have experienced one or more or all of them if you're lucky. The Mandela Effect gets its name from paranormal consultant Fiona Broom, who upon going onto the World Wide Web, www, and sharing her experience, discovered that others shared her memory of the South African civil rights leader Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the 1980s, despite the fact that he, on our timeline, did not die, and he was very much alive at this time. On the timeline... We're on. He was freed in 1990 and even went on to become the president of South Africa. He actually died in 2013. The reason this became such a big deal and the namesake for the phenomenon of the Mandela effect is that so many people were able to corroborate Broom's memory with a lot of details being almost exactly the same as what she had recounted, being that they saw the funeral on TV, 
reading the newspaper and seeing articles giving specific information about what they saw. Specifically from Broom, she said that she remembers a heartfelt speech made by Mandela's widow, riots being covered in South Africa, and clips of his funeral being shown on the news, and the mourning that was happening by the people in South Africa. Another commenter on her experience had said that, quote, I remember in grade four in 1997 when I learned Nelson Mandela was dead. It was Black History Month. My confusion later in life when I heard about him in the news, I was baffled that I believed for so long and so surely that he had died. Obviously, she had heard the same news that Broom had recalled. Some believe that the Mandela effect is proof of something fishy going on, which includes fancy lingo such as alternate realities, glitches in the matrix, differing timelines, or even the disparity to the multiverse interpretation of quantum mechanics, which all essentially mean the same thing that reality is weird. Most of these are based on the theory that within each universe, an alternative version of events and objects exist. Best theory for last, which I couldn't have put it better myself, is simulated reality in which we're experiencing a software glitch. Have you heard that one before? I have, yes. I actually hadn't heard it put that way. And I was actually listening to a podcast the other day on simulated reality. And simulated reality is one of my all-time favorite things. I mean, in theory, it makes sense to be the most likely. But yeah, it really does. That also and is just I something a bunch of nerds say. So I hadn't heard, heard it put that way. And I was like, whoa. And I don't know if it was like a coincidence and like... There are no coincidences. Yeah. Well, and it I also, was just listening to that the other day, and all of a sudden it was yeah. put that way for me. Also, it doesn't necessarily mean a glitch within the software that we reside within. It could be intentional as an experiment. True. I mean, there's no way to prove what's happening, so everything is open. Yeah. At this yeah. Point. Like theory. you can just throw whatever out because it's not testable. Yeah. At and this point or ever, we don't know. Yeah, um, and just when, when it comes to the idea of the multiverse, it's basically whenever there's a possibility of different outcomes within any given event, it creates a universe in which each situation does occur. Yes. So that every time I flip a coin, there is another universe that opens up. Get the other outcome. Where I got the other outcome, or I flipped it slightly different, or the wind was slightly faster that day, or the air was slightly hotter, or the coin was in my pocket just a little while longer. I think that would happen in more than just the multiverse, though, because, and I talk about this before, and it's always that like 3 a.m. when you can't sleep that you think about like all these things and it's like now you can't sleep because you just thought about the multiverse and how big space is. But you get that also when you get a never-ending universe where every possibility... Every possibility exists within that universe. Is if existing. It is, yeah. And this, what we're doing right now is happening exponentially because it's a Yeah, but always slightly different universe. and also exactly the same. And like, exactly the same at the same time. And we can time. neither prove nor disprove the size of the universe because we can only see the observable universe, which is the amount of universe that is within the distance light can travel from when the Big Bang occurred. Yeah, my head hurts. Okay. <laughs> but I guess if you're thinking of, I guess it depends on what universe we're living in in your head in which the Mandela effect is happening. So I guess if it's in an infinite universe, the Mandela effect is one, I guess, where we're just slipping on to another well no it within an infinite universe it's actually a lot harder to explain away the mandela effect it, it would be the multiverse where two universes okay. are coming together where it's one thing that was just slightly different exists. okay maybe that just means that we're in multiverse I mean, it could. I do think there's easier explanations than that. Okay, that was a long tangent on that, but I'm happy that we had it. (laughs) Others blame the Mandela effect on the fallibility of human memory. 
also known as a false memory, in which an individual has a false, distorted, or otherwise misremembered historical event. This also goes alongside the misinformation slash presupposition effect. All in all, basically it comes down to memory distortions because our memories are not computers and we are particularly prone to being led even in situations where you have literally just witnessed something or can be led to make up events completely out of nothing. Yeah, I remember a study on this and it was people who had gone to Disneyland as children Basically, they're given photos of these people at Disneyland or as kids, and they Photoshop into these photos that they were given, Bugs Bunny beside Mickey Mouse. And people, after they saw their old family photos, which they didn't know were altered, clearly remember meeting Bugs Bunny at Disneyland. Yeah, and our memories are very fragile things, I have come to learn. And it brings up a number of concerns for me as well, which I get into a little bit. I just, I wanted to go into like, what is the Mandela effect? What are both sides of it? Just to give everybody all the information. So here's an example of false memory. 2010, a study examined people familiar with a clock at Bologna Central Railway Station, which was damaged in the Bologna Massacre bombing in August 1980. In the study, 92% of respondents falsely remembered the clock had remained stopped since the bombing when, in fact, the clock was repaired shortly after the attack. It was years later that the clock was again stopped and set to the time of the bomb in observance and current commemoration of the bombing. So that's just like a simple example. There is, I can give a little bit more in depth of how fragile our memories and our brain is. So this is an example of false memories, which includes the language being directed at our super fragile minds. If a person is asked, did you see the stop sign versus did you see a stop sign? In one situation, we're presupposing that there was a stop sign, making someone answering the question, recalling a stop sign stronger, and they more readily remember the stop sign, and it's easier to get that information from them. So a human person is more likely to remember the stop sign if the question states that there was a stop sign, and it was there, than if the question didn't say, did you see the stop sign. Yeah. And actually, when you bring witnesses to the standing court, there's actually rules against leading questions. You have to just leave them as open as possible. And you know what? I read all this stuff. I don't know how you don't lead somebody. You just say, what happened that day? Was there anything else? At about this time, tell me in your own words what occurred. You cannot Um, ask them, did you see a man in a yellow hat? Yeah, because it makes people remember. So in the other situation, did you see a stop sign? The stop sign may not have been there. This convinces the human person of its truth, i.e. that the stop sign was there. This affects their memory because I'm talking about memory. It can also alter responses to later questions to keep them consistent with the false implication that you have presupposed to them. In either scenario, the subject is attempting to confirm the info you've given them because they assume it to be true. What I'm trying to say is our recall process, as I said earlier, is very delicate when it comes to the language we use during the recall process, memory, and products of that. That is actually a very scary thing when you think about witnesses and police interviewing subjects, to name one. I mean, there's probably a million different things. I mean, we're a fringe podcast when you think of people undergoing regression for alien abductions. Yeah, we may even just be a false memory. Yeah. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for that. All in all, we see that words used to phrase a question can very heavily influence not only our memories, but the response given. The way you frame a question can produce differing memories, which is scary, actually. And it really makes you question your own sanity, I guess, when you really think about it. Like, how true are your own memories? I don't know. Come now that back that's to the a- whole brain floating in a vat. How do you prove that you're not? Yeah, I mean, it's so fragile. It's It like can really mess with you. 
you, I guess, if you think within think about it enough. If it yeah. just even if you phrase a question the wrong way, it completely forms the memories that you have. Yeah. There is and- another one. And I don't want to get too carried away on it because I didn't type it out of my notes and I don't like to ad lib. <laughs> but there is another study they did where they had people watch a collision. It wasn't a high-speed collision or anything like that, but the people who watched this video of the collision were completely influenced by the way people questioned them after framing it with the verbs they used to describe it. So when they said, how hard did the car smash into this thing, they would think that the accident was at a higher speed than it was. Versus if they said, how hard did the car come to a slow stop? (laughs) I just made that up. But you know, you get um, you get it from the way that they frame the verbs that they use when it comes to it. Yeah. And to just add a little bit of what we we're talking about, there's the very famous quote by Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am. You've heard that, right? Yes. What he's really talking about in that is he was having a hard time finding anything that wasn't subjective, like finding truly objective things within the universe, to the point where he wasn't even really sure that he existed. He finally These came to the These are the things conclusion. we think about at 3am. Yeah. yeah, he probably did all his writing at that point. His final yeah. conclusion was the entire fact that he could think about this entire issue proved that he existed. And that was the only thing that was provable. I did not know that that's where it comes from. Yeah. And to that, I really like that quote now. I really like that. Okay. So now that we have that out of the way, there are examples, spoiler alert, we will say some examples of the Mandela effect that I'm sure we're going to give examples of, like I just said. Gave a spoiler, which include remembering alternate lyrics or famous lines in a movie that are slightly different than you remember them, or alternate spelling of something which, in my opinion, I find those easier to explain away with false memory. But it's the larger events like Nelson Mandela, where a number of people share a similar memory that I find hard to explain away with false memory theory, in my opinion, because there's so many people that have similar memories of watching a funeral, of riots in South Africa, of stuff like that, where a lot of people are giving a similar experience that is not our actual reality that we're living in. Yeah, that's my chart on the Mandela effect. Okay, well, I guess I get to go into the example so that I may grab another drink. You're all welcome to quietly contemplate your existence for the time being, even earlier than scheduled, in fact, for it is not 3 a.m. (laughs) But we will be right back. So when it comes to different types of Mandela effects that are fairly common or at least what people propose as Mandela effects. I've broken them down into three categories. Let me know which one you want to hit first. Okay. Famous quotes. I have beloved characters and brands, and I have real world events. Let's start with the quotes ones, because that's literally what I just left off with. True. Okay. Let's start with Forrest Gump. If you remember any quote from Forrest Gump, what is it, Chelsea? Life is like a box of chocolates. Was Although, that the right one? Or is it the one about shrimp? I mean, there's Gumbo. there's a really long one about shrimp, yes. That's not the one we're going to be talking about right now, okay. though. Was it any of what I just said? Hello. My name's Forrest. Forrest Gump. Do you want a chocolate? I could eat about a million and a half of these. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. I just said that. You said life is like a box of chocolates. The actual quote is, life was like a box of chocolates. Oh. Specifically. I actually didn't hear that when you just played it. I just heard it like I said it. And if you actually watch the whole movie, the mom actually doesn't say it that way either. She says, life is a box of chocolates. Okay. (laughs) But that's the part that anybody quotes from is this exact part. Yeah. So the actual quote is, life was like a box of chocolates. And that's so funny that you just played that and I literally heard life is like yeah, a box of chocolates. it's the one you were expecting to hear. Yeah. <laughs> there is, of course, the famous I Love Lucy. If you ever think of anything Ricky said in I Love Lucy, what is it, Chelsea? What does Ricky say? <laughs> I feel okay. like it's nothing that's anything like politically appropriate these No, days. no. As a Cuban-American in the 1960s, <laughs> it was kind of 
geographically racist, I guess. Just kind of racist how he was saying it. But it was, Lucy, you got some splaining to do. Right. Which he's this never actually it. said. He has said at points, like, Lucy, splain, or splain yourself. But he never said, Lucy, you have some splaining to do. Oh, I do remember that. Why, why do I remember it like that? So he would say splain like it was a joke, but he never actually said that famous quote. Maybe it's just like TV shows that perpetuate it at this point, And so it's just a part of... Yeah, but where did they get it from? Like, it's just a misinterpretation right off the bat. It has to be. Because I was also thinking, I'm not going to put it in here because I can't think of the exact example I was thinking of. Chelsea, you've seen like long, long ago, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, right? Yeah. And what does the evil queen say? Mirror, Every... mirror. Oh, no. Now I can't remember. You were on the right track. Like, who's the something? The mirror or the evil queen? What does the queen say to the mirror? Who's like, who's the... That's okay. I... We can watch yeah. it. <laughs> Let's watch it. What wouldst thou know, my queen? Magic mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest one of all? Yeah, most people remember the quote as mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? But it is magic uh. mirror. Not Mirror Mirror. And it is strangely misremembered in so many spots that there is a spin-off movie by Disney in the early 2010s called Mirror Mirror. There is? Yeah. That's something that we always used to say as kids. Like as little girls, we'd like have a mirror and that's what we'd say when we were playing. That's so weird. What would you say is the most famous quote from Star Wars? Luke, I am your father. Okay. <gasps> I was right! Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No. It's not true. Okay. I'm going to put a disclaimer on this one because I'm... <laughs> I hope we don't lose followers for this. I'm not a Star Wars person. <laughs> so this is straight up what other people have probably just perpetuated. Yeah, but most people will say that the quote is Luke, I am your father. When really it's a response to him saying that you killed my father and he's saying, no, I am your father. Oh, that's what he was saying right there? Yeah. Okay. Because it's not Luke, I am your father. It is, no, I am your father. Which I guess... It makes sense for the sentence he was just saying. Yeah, and why that one might have been misremembered is because it, with that quote as it's remembered, it gives a lot more context than this just is, saying, no, I am your father. It is, but this is a very famous quote, and I feel like this is coming from me as someone who's not a Star Wars person. I don't even know that I've seen this scene, and my knowledge of it comes from probably pop culture. So I feel like that's what pop culture says is, Luke, I am your father. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. So that is why most people misremember. So that would be, might be why people misremember, misremember this. Yeah. And to just piggyback off that a little bit, a lot of people remember um, Star Trek's most memorable quote as being, beam me up, Scotty. That was just, hmm. that was never said in the show. Really? No. It, Where does it this come won... from then? Why is there so much in the media of quotes that were never in a show yet? That's what they're most remembered for. They're just really misremembered. And like, this is the closest you'll ever see. Scotty, beat me up. But that's not from the original series. That's from the fourth movie. It wasn't a great movie. I don't know if it was widely seen as the earlier ones. So I wonder if it's a thing, and that's why I put my little thing in with misremembering names. I feel like it's easier to misremember a quote because so much of our experience is through popular culture. And if you watch a movie or a TV show like Star Wars, for example, a lot of Star Wars was in like that 70s show. And you watch a show where you watched was a lot more popular 
not that Star Wars isn't popular, where it's more in pop culture, it's a more popular show, and they're giving out quotes like that, you're more likely to remember a quote from that show than, I mean for me anyway, who's never seen Star yeah. Wars, and base your memory on that. Just um, my two cents at yeah, this point. Yeah, and that's most likely what happened, and especially if you've heard the quote even before you saw the movie, I think you're more likely to hear it the way that you remember it being. Exactly, said. and like I did on a lot of those. I just yeah. like what I remember. I have two more to go over. Well, there's another one I can just add in here really quick. Yeah. In Casablanca, Humphrey Bogart's character never says play it again, Sam, which is a famous quote that most people remember from that. And These are just getting ridiculous. Yeah. And in Silence <laughs> of the Lambs. Yes. Hannibal Lecter never says hello, Clarice, which is probably like the most memorable, creepy line from that movie. He that does, however, say it in the next movie, but that one came way later. This is all very interesting. Where people made this from, and then all of a sudden it's the most famous line in the movie. But I do have one that is slightly different okay. than the other ones, and it's not just a misremember, and it's this one uh, from Scary Movie. Okay. And there's a specific scene that people remember, and it's Shorty under the covers, being scared, and what? he says, I see white people, but this is the scene. Can I tell you a secret? Sure, man. Man, this shit is awesome! What? Do you remember it the other way? Yes. Never happened. <laughs> A lot of people remember it as I see white people, though. I do. And this is something that is more... Like, I've seen this movie a few times. This is from my generation of things. Us in high school, early... I've never like heard this. This is my first experience hearing it this way, but I've never heard that before. And I swear I remember it the other way. So those are the famous misremembered or misquoted quotes. That last one just blew my mind. Yeah, and it doesn't, it's not one of those things that was just maybe misheard. Like those are not the same things. No, not at all. What? That just blew my mind. I don't even know what to say about that. Um, okay. Okay, let's get into beloved characters and brands. Okay. We grew up watching Looney Tunes. Watching pretty much everything. Yeah, we watched a lot of TV. It basically, yeah. who's our third parent? Yeah. <laughs> Looney Tunes, the second word is spelt T-U-N-E-S, as in reference to the music that was played in the background of the episodes. Yes. A lot of people remember it being spelt T-O-O-N, as in reference to cartoons. I would like to say that I remember it that way, but honestly, Looney Tunes is such an old show. If I was given the choice, I remember it as T-O-O-N-S, but I was too young, I yeah. feel like, to have a complete good memory of it. And yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat, especially for a lot of this stuff. This is like a lot of things that are related to your childhood. And that was a part that came up with my, maybe this is a good part to put it in. This is a lot of things that came up in my research is that a lot of this is not so much with Nelson Mandela, but it's more things with misremembering quotes and stuff like that is a lot of millennials. It had to do with the coming of the internet and us having the access that we did to the internet. Yeah, it's almost as if like we were able to come into groups where we refused to even believe that we could misremember things and that we live yeah. in another universe now. So it's not even us. It's the millennial universe. So it was not only us having access to the internet, but it was also all these misremembered moments are within a certain amount of time where it would have been where we are forming memory. And people have so, some sort of vague memory of it, despite the so fact that they feel it's distinct. Yes. So therefore not able to exactly remember it properly where we were in a time where we yeah. were constantly forming memories so we couldn't I, remember them yeah. exactly i find it beautiful the whole idea of where we are in this place and time and the whole fact that people are more willing to believe that they live in a different universe now than that maybe they're just remembering it wrong it's a succinct roundup of modern worlds <laughs> So I do give it some credence because I legit do remember the scary movie one as I seriously think I remember it that way. Would I be willing to bet $100 on it? No, but I feel like I remember them saying it that way. But with quotes being remembered, I think is a completely different thing than actual, which I know you're going to get to examples of Nelson Mandela. I think that's a completely different thing than remembering a quote the wrong way. But that was my interjection. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep going then. We watched the These Flintstones growing up. 
Oh yeah, Flintstones now, were fun. Yeah, I love the Flintstones. Now this one I had a little trouble with because I definitely had it wrong growing up. Oh it no, it is Flint Stones, not Flintstones. F L I N T Stones. That's another one I'm gonna have to say. I don't feel like I was old enough to make the distinction. Yeah, it was probably just easier to say Flintstones. Yeah, you don't pronounce the T. Yeah, but even then, they were all rock puns, like Barney Rubble. Everything was freaking based on a rock pun. And Flintstone is a flint, so it makes sense. It is a type of stone. Oh, yeah, that does make sense. No, like, if you were to say it's the Jessens, not the Jetsons, like, that one I would have a problem with. Or the Jettisons, yeah. Yeah. That one I would have a problem with, but there's things that you say that you just don't pronounce some letters in our dialect anyhow. Yeah. Anyhow, let's talk about Monopoly. The logo man, Mr. Pennybags. Give me an idea of what Mr. Pennybags looks like. The Monopoly guy. He has a monocle. He wears like the penguin suit, gray hair, tiny, bald. We're wearing a top hat. I can't remember. Yeah. No monocle. Which isn't a great way to start this. What? No monocle. Okay, hold on. I've never had a monocle. Hold on. Am I basing this on... You're basing it on East Ventura too. (laughs) I'm basing it on... I am basing it on East Ventura. (laughs) (laughs) Is that where this comes from? Maybe, but no, most people remember him having a monocle. No, I think it's Ace Ventura, that's why. But you know what? Well, you must be the Monopoly guy. Let's take a minute to appreciate this... Uh, hint of comedic genius. Hundred percent sure that guy's wearing a monocle. Oh, he is. And that's where my monopoly guy. You're showing it to us right now, right? Yes. Who is this ghastly man? Ace Ventura, pet detective, and you must be the monopoly guy. Hey, thanks for the free parking. This has to be why. <laughs> Can we dream all these issues on Jim Carrey? Da-da! Mwah! <laughs> First of all, I love how nobody does anything in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> to what, what I assume is a fairly wealthy man being assaulted. Yeah, <laughs> and paraded around. But you think about that, what had a greater impact on your memory? Monopoly? Or that obviously in my situation that had a greater <laughs> impact on my memory? than actual Monopoly, and obviously a lot of people. Yeah, what had a bigger impact on your life? Social gatherings involving board games or Jim Carrey movies? Obviously the Jim point, Carrey movies. At that point, that I'm going to say, just from like what I just said right now, Jim yeah. Carrey movies. And I firmly believe now that, in fact, that Mandela's effect should be called the Jim Carrey effect, in that he has perpetuated lies in our lives, and this may not be the only one. We're doing some solid research here. Yes. Okay, next up. Chelsea, we read growing up Curious George. I remember going to the library at Uncas and they had a section. I specifically remember the section of the library and it was just like yellow books. Yeah. Curious George. Yeah. And Curious George had a friend, the man in the yellow hat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Never existed. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was a lie. But Curious George doesn't have a tail. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) What? Yeah. Curious George doesn't have a tail. No. Man in the yellow hat's real. Okay, (laughs) good. I was like, what? Okay, Curious George doesn't have a tail. I think that he had a tail. This is another thing I cannot confirm nor deny. Yeah. I need a lawyer. I'm non-practicing, so I can't. I have to call my lawyer. (laughs) Does she follow us? (laughs) (gasps) I need to call another lawyer. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Are Are we having a real life... Just like social experiment on me right now because I don't know. Maybe. I mean, we'll only find out long term once the study's done. Or when the study's not done. No. I I don't know if he had a tail or not. I don't think he... uh, I don't know. He didn't. I mean, I always thought he was a monkey. So I always thought he had a tail. But if he's an ape, then he doesn't have a tail. And then I'm a lot more worried that they let the man in the yellow hat just bring an ape back to civilization that makes a lot of mistakes (laughs) because he's curious 
Now, I right now I'm specifically remembering him without a tail, but I feel like this isn't a memory from my childhood. I feel like it's a much more recent memory, so I can't comment exclusively. Yeah. I remember going to the library and there being a large amount of yellow books. That's as far as that memory goes. Okay, and this is one that introduced me to the idea of the Mandela effect. And I'm pretty sure this is the same for you. Okay. A a child book series about a group of bears. Mama bear, this, papa bear, brother bear, and sister bear. This is not the one that introduced me to the Mandela effect, but I feel like this is the one that made it mainstream. Yeah. To which I was very happy about. I was really excited when I saw it going like viral. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, we were talking about the Berenstain Bears. The Berenstain Bears. Which don't actually exist. A lot of people think of it as B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, when in fact there's no such series anywhere near that name. Or about bears for children. And I am just kidding at this point, for there is one called the Berenstain Bears. It ends S-T-A-I-N. You're giving millennials a lot of heart attacks right now. I think... When it comes down to this one, it's coming down to pronunciation. Well, Correct I, me if I, I'm wrong. It could be. I fully remember it just being the Berenstein Bears. And I think part of it is, is that they write their name in cursive on the front. Yeah, I do remember that. And again, it's something I cannot remember explicitly how it was spelled. I can remember how I said it. Yeah. Which was the Bernstein Bears. Yeah. Now, whether or not I was pronouncing it correctly. Oh, and I think a part of it was, is that we were just misseeing the handwritten A, or it could just as likely be that we come from another universe. And the only be difference this. between this universe and that universe is that one letter in that person's name. Yeah, A and E. And they're both vowels. I mean, it's a simple switch. But it would have been weird if it was a Z. It would have been so the weird. <laughs> the birds. I, I don't even know how you would say that but equally confusing so that was my introduction to this entire thing was the berenstein, berenstein bears debacle which legitimately had me worrying that i did come from an, another multiverse that had merged like i said earlier i'm just repeating myself as i always repeat myself i listen to our episodes and i just repeat myself over and over again but I actually delete about half of it, too. Do I really repeat myself that much? I can send you the raw footage. <laughs> don't. I just don't know how to edit out that last little bit of repeat. It's okay, because it makes okay. it gives me pointers. It's your when character. I'm like, wow, yeah. I'm repeating myself so much. And then, wow, I'm repeating myself more than that. But I love how much you've repeated it, yourself about repeating yourself, by the I way. I really want people to know points I have to make. I'm really trying to hit it home. Whether or not you stop listening on the second point is like lost. But I feel like it's, does a kid know how to pronounce things when they're reading it like that? Or are they going off their parents? Or, or are they just stupid kids? Because I know exactly. we you were don't know how kids. to read. Yeah. We were stupid kids. We got better. We got a little bit better. Yeah. Sometimes I Just still... Just one day at a time. Especially if you listen to episodes of us trying to pronounce things in yeah, other or, languages. Or the Wait, live episodes. <laughs> don't hold us to that because they are in fact different languages. And sometimes I can't pronounce things even in English. So that doesn't make a point in my favor. And that has nothing to do with it right now. Because Berenstain is Jewish. Berenstain would be Jewish. I don't know what Berenstain is. Ah, okay. This next one is one that I vividly remember too. And... It is not easily explained away with misreading. And that is the brand Fruit of the Loom. Okay. And when you picture their logo, picture it in your mind right now. And don't tell me anything about it. I'm no, just going to tell No, I feel like I'm biased right now because I read uh, okay. read it on it today. Okay. And, I, and I've been trying yeah. to picture it ever since I read that thread and I can't. Okay. Now, the Fruit of the Loom logo does not, nor has it ever, had a cornucopia in it. It is simply several pieces of fruit between i think basically two leaves correct i don't know but and there okay, has I'm never gonna... been and what when i say cornucopia that's that thing that you see on the thanksgiving table that like all the squashes are coming about or squai yeah. as you should more commonly know them when they come in packs that's plural no that is not i made that okay. up but it should be a pack of squai. You're right it, it sounded right i wasn't gonna call you on it it sounded like it was right you were, but you immediately <laughs> did. <laughs> I did believe you. 
Okay, you led me astray again. Okay, but the funny thing is, now that you say that, and I read that, I was reading the thread today because I was looking for things to do with my notes just to make sure it was all up to date and all good. And they kept saying that. And I was like, I cannot picture this for the life of me. And now that you said it, that's all I can picture. It's fruit coming out of like the cornucopia thing. Yeah. And although this has never been the logo of Fruit of the Loom, there has never been a cornucopia in it. There are parodies that have cornucopias in it. And there is an old jazz album called Flute of the Loom. Appears to be a direct parody of Fruit of the Loom entitled Flute of the Loom. And it was a Frank West album by a a flautist, I assume is what Frank West is. Okay. Which is a parody of Fruit of the Loom. And this album cover has a flute taking the spot of the... Oh, God, I just forgot the word. Cornucopia. Cornucopia, thank you. Taking the spot of the cornucopia in the album cover with different food items in front of the I mean, that could be where the memory comes from. That could be, but why would he do it? And also, I've never friggin' heard of this album, nor seen this album cover. Neither Neither do I think it was that important musically. (laughs) Sorry, Frank West, if you're listening to this. So this one I do find quite bizarre. And the next one too, this is one you specifically wanted me to cover. There was a genie movie that came out in the 1990s <gasps> with the, the genie being portrayed by a prominent black actor of the time. That movie, of course, is Kazam. And it had Shaq in it. And Shaquille O'Neal, for those who are not avid <laughs> NBA fans. War did not grow up in the 90s, and everybody knew who Shaq was in the 90s somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, that was the only genie movie that came out as a fairly mainstream movie featuring a black actor as the genie. A lot of people remember another genie Mm -hmm. movie coming out succinctly different from Shaq's movie Kazam, and that is Shazam, where the genie in the movie is played by Sinbad. Also, very prominent from the 90s. If you didn't grow up in the 90s, it's very hard to explain who Sinbad was. (laughs) Okay, first of all, this is when I subscribed to you. I do not remember the one with Shaq at all. Like, that wasn't a thing. I specifically remember going to Blockbuster and seeing the Shazam one on the shelf. I looked at a bunch of Mandela Effect things where they try and debunk it. Sinbad himself says it never happened. I call BS on Sinbad. (laughs) He's a comedian. He could be doing it for the laughs. He could be. You look at people trying to debunk this and there was, he did a small role on something that was Sinbad the sailor where he wears a turban. This is not what I remember. I specifically remember the cover of this movie and it was Sinbad with two kids on the cover. He was wearing like parachute pants that were like loud print with him on the cover with two kids. I do not remember the Shaq movie. I just remember. I've never seen it. I have never seen either. But I've never seen either, but I remember Shazam. That's why I wanted you to cover it, because I do remember this movie. But can you look at the cover of the movie Kazam? It's not that. Okay. No, it is not that. I've looked at the cover of Kazam. I don't remember literally, like, Shaq. Like, that's not a... Like, it's, like, mind-blowing for me to see that, because it's not a thing... At all. This has nothing to do with the movie that I remember. I remember seeing Shazam on the shelf with Sinbad. And he had his parachute pants on. And there's two kids there. And even if you look on the internet, there's people specifically with a collection of both movies. I don't remember Shazam being a thing at all. Do you remember this movie? I almost think it's just because I've heard this talked about so much. I have seen neither of these movies. So anything that I would have seen, I can easily explain away as a false memory because I just don't have enough information to clearly remember. That's the thing with some of the things like Star Wars, like I don't know. But this one, I specifically remember Shazam, like Sinbad with the parachute pants because those were like the 90s thing. Yeah. And And I remember the two kids being there. And I did when I was looking at this being the hot topic, Shazam. Because it's everywhere when you look at the Mandela effect. And I looked at the Kazam 
cover and it, it's not even close to what I remember as a kid. I don't remember either of these movies, so I, I am out of this debate. Okay. Not that I even think it's really a debate. It's just some people saying, yeah, but I kind of vaguely remember this thing. I remember it, but then again, like, I talk about Berenstein Bears, and I'm like, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, kids remember things, and I don't know. Maybe I just was pronouncing it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's all I got. Okay. But I remember the cover. Like, I don't. That's all okay. I got. Now I have a few just let's tear these band-aids off really fast and we can just okay. fly through these ones. There is no such peanut butter brand as Jiffy. It is Jiff. Oscar Meyer Wieners. Meyer is spelt M-A-Y-E-R, not M-E-Y-E-R. The beloved Pokemon Pikachu <laughs> has a fully yellow tail. There is no black at the end of it. Cruella DeVille. The last name is spelt Lowercase d e space v i l. Smokey the Bear doesn't exist. There is a character known as Smokey Bear. Kit Kat is one word, no hyphen. Fruit Loops, fruit is spelt F R O O T. Skechers does not have a T in it. It is S K E C H E R S. Febreze does not ever have a double E in it. It is F E B R E Z E. Huh? Judge Judy has never at any point in her working career had a gavel on the show. She has never slammed a gavel on her table. And the last one here in the movie Moonraker, there is the character Jaws, and he has a significant other, Dolly. Dolly does not have braces in it, despite people remember her having braces. Okay, and this is Journey to the Fringe, announcing that we're all idiots. <laughs> a lot of those are fairly easy, just misremembering ones. But they I, are. My but favorite it's one is that you hold so logo. close to yeah. yourself. Yeah, and the cornucopia in that logo. Yeah, mine is Shazam for sure. But it's like something that we all—it's like shocking to hear that we're misremembering so wrong. And why do they call it Febreze if there's only one e? Like it's for F E B R E Z E. It's for Brez. <laughs> there's an e at the end, unless you're Still thinking it's Febreze. 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 Like, it's not Febreze. You need two E's. Okay, now the real world misrememberings that a lot of people subscribe to. Here we to. go. First one. In 1989, there was the Tiananmen Square Massacre, made famous by a video of a man standing up to the tanks known as yes. Tank Man. A lot of people distinctly remember him being run over by the tank in that video. Oh, really? I shouldn't say a lot of people. There are people online who believe they remember okay. Tank Man being run over in the video. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Next I can't one. say this didn't happen when I was alive. Yes, it did. Did it? How old was I? It was 1989. Okay, I was two. <laughs> you need to pay more attention to the world around you. <laughs> Shit. I just got called out. Okay, next one. Before anyone Next pays one. attention to that. Osama bin Laden was famously assassinated by SEAL Team 6 in Pakistan in 2011. Many people online distinctly remember him either dying on 9-11 or succumbing to some sort of disease in hospital sometime between 2001 and 2011. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. I've never yeah. heard that before. Okay. During the JFK assassination, many people distinctly remember seeing four people in the vehicle. In fact, there are six. One, two. Inside the vehicle. Yeah. Like sitting down in a car seat. And that is because it is a limo style car with an open top. Okay. This one I just find the most fun. Chelsea, how many states are there in the United States? Uh, 52. Okay. The answer is 50, but many people when asked this believe that it is 51 or 52. Whether or what not am, that actually is a Mandela effect is... Uh, what am I adding in? I don't know. Maybe okay. BC. Maybe Puerto Rico. Maybe you're very progressive. Uh, maybe I'm just throwing out some numbers. Yeah, because they are going for statehood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there is, people believe, a very famous photo, or sorry, not photo, because photos didn't exist. Painting of King Henry VIII holding a turkey leg as if he's going to eat it. Not eating it, but just in his hand. This photo, Is that a this, power move? A little bit, but if it is a power move, it doesn't exist. Some historians swear up and down that there is a portrait that exists with medieval king of England holding a turkey leg. However, the turkey leg ceases to exist. Hmm. Patrick Swayze had a battle with cancer in 2009. Yes. 
a lot of people distinctly remember him surviving this, but he did in fact die during the uh, battle. I do remember that. Him surviving or him dying of cancer? Dying. Okay. Pretty sure. The Challenger space shuttle explosion. A lot of people misremember the year. It happened on January 28th of 86. A lot of people remember it as 1985 or 1984. Mother Teresa's canonization. Many people remember it occurring when Pope John Paul II. Oh, hold on. What do you mean canonization? Like she was shot out of a cannon? No, it's when you become a saint. That's what they call it. I was either yeah, thinking shot out of a cannon or a cannibal. Okay. And it is, in fact, neither of those options. But maybe this is the Mandela effect where you are now in a universe where canonization means becoming a saint. I can say that I would never be in a situation where I would know what canonization means. Okay, that's fair. And it's very humble of you to not just assume you're in another universe. (laughs) Those are just my understandings of the word canon. Okay. And cannibal. And not knowing how I spelt it, yes. Yes. Anyhow, (laughs) many people believe or remember Pope John Paul II canonizing Mother Teresa in the (laughs) 1990s when she was still alive. However, she was canonized. She was not made a saint until 2016 by Pope Francis. Sorry, all I'm thinking of is someone being shot from a cannon. I mean, it would be easier to shoot a dead person out of a cannon, so it makes sense why they did it I mean, you could shoot anyone out of a cannon. In theory, yes. Okay, can we just ask how we spell this? C-A-N-O-N-I-Z-A-T-I-O-N. This is canon. It's not. It's close, but it's not. Okay, do we have any more cannons? That's the only canon in this Okay, let's move on. Unfortunately, we inhabit a universe that only has one Mandela effect attached to canons, which is quite sad. This one may be my personal favorite. When asked where New Zealand is on a map, many people believe it is northeast of Australia, when in fact it is southeast of Australia. Southeast seems right. Yeah. Like down from Australia. Yeah, and and I think part of that is most of the world inhabiting the the northern hemisphere and thinking northern means a cooler climate. Yeah. When north in the southern hemisphere means closer to the equator. (laughs) That makes sense, actually. And in fact... There is an entire subreddit about this entire problem. It is the subreddit known as Maps Without New Zealand. And it is because it is very easily and often forgotten to be put on a map. So they show many examples on that web, uh, on that subreddit of no, that different times sense. in the world New Zealand gets forgotten about. That makes sense. Now, I feel like I'm remembering because, and it could be just people not understanding, you know, Northern and Southern Hemisphere. Yeah. So yeah, that one is fairly easily explained away, especially when combined with the fact that people just completely forget about New Zealand. Yeah. I don't know. As far as Mandela effect goes, I think that there's some that are totally warranted. And I think that there's some where even me remembering about things, I'm like, yeah, I remember I love Lucy being, you got some splaining to do, but I don't know if that's because that's what's in pop culture or me remembering things. But there's actually some memories that I have, like Shazam. And then you look at examples like the Mandela effect, where there's so many people that have such detailed memories of something that never happened on our timeline. So I think there's something to it. But I also think that with our day and age, with our access to the internet, that some things are taken way out of proportion. It's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I I think we're in the same spot together. Uh, And really, it's just people being too ignorant to believe that they're misremembering things. Yeah. But last but certainly not least, Chelsea, do you remember a uh, a World War One? Yeah. I do not remember it firsthand. Okay. But I vaguely remember some things. Learning about it. Okay. Yeah, World War One never actually happened. A lot of people misremember (laughs) this one because the next war being called World War Two presupposes that there was a World War One, exactly. but it was only called World War Two because it was twice <laughs> as big as any other war before it. It was just that big that it had to be called yeah. World War Two. World yeah. War Two because really it was written by mathematicians. The name <laughs> and over the years, the brackets around World War have gone away, so it's not <gasps> actually like 
times two anymore. It's just it, World War Two. It was in brackets, wasn't it? Yeah, but those have faded with time. So yeah, that's probably the biggest one outside of what we've talked about so far of people having false memories. Yeah. So there's a lot of these in the world that have happened. And you may be misremembering everything that you've heard on this podcast tonight. Yeah, at the end of the day, whether or not we are a false memory, we do appreciate you being here. We do. Whether or not this actually happened, or it did, and you remember it in the future and it didn't, or it did and then it didn't, we're happy that you're here with us. Yeah, even if it's universes away. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, (laughs) that's enough of pondering (laughs) on our existential dreads. I think it's time to move on into happier pastures. We are going to be focusing next week on, and this has been one coming up for a long time, the Panama Papers. What happened, what has happened since then, and really just be prepared to be upset with rich people. But I, I think that's one thing we prep our I'm audience prepared. for well. Yeah. For the meantime, I have been Taylor. Chelsea? I am here with Chelsea. Yes. And have been. we are Journey to the Fringe. Thank you for listening. Always. Again, if you are experiencing time atypically, hello. Welcome to Journey to the Fringe. We're going to talk about the Mandela effect. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>